You are listening to episode 55. Hello, everyone. I cannot believe we are at the 55th episode of the Okiki podcast. And today I get to interview someone that I got to meet during the pandemic who actually gave me some virtual business coaching. Her name is Seema Alexander, CEO of Disruptive. And with over two decades of experience as a business strategist and CMO, she has really helped CEOs figure out their vision and strategy with her own unique method. And so on today's episode, we get to hear a bit about her journey, how she went from being a former corporate executive for 13 years to really becoming a coach that pushes business owners into their full potential. So I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Now, if you have been enjoying the Okiki podcast, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review and also subscribe and leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow me on Spotify and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email and let me know, is this podcast bringing value and inspiration into your life? All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. everyone. Welcome to the Okiki podcast. Today I have the honor of having Seema Alexander as a guest. She is the CEO of Disruptive and she has over 13 years of working as a corporate executive and taking companies into award-winning brand and marketing plans, including Prudential. And also she had the opportunity of ringing the closing bell on the NASDAQ stock exchange as well. Not only that, she is a strategic advisor for startups in D.C., and it is her goal to see growth in over 100,000 female entrepreneurs with her framework by 2025. So thank you so much, Seema, for being on the show today. Ian, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Definitely. So do you mind telling our audience, how did you get into this field of being a CEO and strategic coaching? What was your educational background? Was this something you always saw yourself doing? Uh, Yeah. So for me, it became uh, a mix of education and experience. Okay. So I grew up in a small business family, literally one of the immigrant families that came here uh, with nothing except the shoes on your, you know, on your feet type of thing. But through a lot of work and sweat equity, my parents started the first Indian vegetarian restaurant in Washington, D.C. And it grew to three and there was a travel agency and other things and, and literally like very heavily involved in small business. So I started working when I was 12 
and from things from the catering to the management to stuffing, you know, drinks in a vending machine, all the above, right? What I watched in these businesses, so from a practical experience, I watched my parents who were pioneers in their industry at the time. It was in the 1970s when they started um, go from really doing very, very well to close to surviving 20 years later. And so at a younger age, I really learned a lot about small business. I learned a lot about the CEO mindset and what happens when businesses are doing well, where you kind of, you know, lean in a little bit more and you feel a lot more confident. Obviously, from a profitability perspective, it changes a lot of things and opportunities. But when companies and businesses are not doing well, there's a lot of implication, not only within the business itself, but within your self-esteem, within your health, within your relationships, you keep going, right? And so, Fian, I actually started my path and mission on learning why businesses fail, why they succeed early on in undergrad because of the experiences that I had with my parents. And there were some personal things that occurred that I was just, you know, curious. So when I got into my business classes, I understood, you know, the importance of strategy and communications and making the very smart investment decisions and how important marketing was and all of those, all everything, like all of those key pieces. But I ended up running away from everything entrepreneurship after college. I decided I wanted to move from, I was at University of Maryland. So I grew up in Maryland outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, I wanted New York City. I wanted um, the big lights, the excitement, but more so I wanted to be a chief marketing officer of a Fortune 500. That was my goal at the time. And then I ended up an anomaly in my generation, stayed with Prudential Financial. They ended up recruiting me in their leadership development program. And I was there for about 13 years, worked on five of their core businesses, but always in business and brand strategy and growth. So even in my corporate days, I had my consulting hat on, if you will. And so a couple core projects I'll just share with you in terms of experience. It was working with about their 2,500 financial planners and agents. And how do you create uh, a unique brand for these individuals who are in a very commoditized space, right? Where, you know, all these other financial companies have the same sort of role. How do you get them to stand out and build, pra- build their practices uh, to really become successful, right? And then I had an opportunity, which was very game changing for me early on to work on the rebranding, the historical rebranding of Prudential as a whole. So that's where I really stepped into my world of understanding how businesses, when they first start, are never businesses, the same business, first five years, first 10 years, you know, it just continues. There's a lot of evolution in business, right? And so I really learned the art of strategy, of really looking into your business model, figuring out what works and what doesn't, and how you want to position yourself out in the marketplace and what do you want to be known for. And when those critical things, aligning your business model and your brand occur, then it's so much more clarity internally to help you really create more scalability in your business, right? And so I ended up eight years ago. So I was getting actually my entrepreneurial itch back. I started doing a lot of consulting on the side, Fianna. It was just, I really enjoy working with entrepreneurs. I always have, but I was doing well in corporate at the time. But I had, uh, eight years ago, I had a little bit of a midlife awakening. I had a pulmonary embolism in between both of my children. 
and as a near-death experience that sort of changed my trajectory of what I wanted to do going forward. And so this is that moment that you were asking for of what like sort of occurred. That's when I decided I wanted to leave corporate and I wanted to start my own business and start working with entrepreneurs to help them grow their business and brand. Lots has occurred since, but I'll, I'll just, I'm going to stop there so you can ask. No, that's amazing. And it's kind of interesting that you learned very fortunately early on what entrepreneurship actually looks like. And you saw a business that has been around for a long time. So you not only saw how it starts, like you saw all the stages, <laughs> like they have that arc, they always show us in business school of business. And what do you actually need to do to revitalize that? And even in your role in corporate, you still had these opportunities to see the progression of a company. So I do think it's very cool how even though they seem unrelated, they were still applications that you were absorbing in your journey. And then your own awakening when this life situation happens. So can you tell us a little bit about why that actually influenced you to go, you know what, this is time to do my own thing? Yeah, I think most people can relate now with COVID, right? So COVID allowed a lot of us to pause and reset and really think about, wow, life is kind of short, right? Like, what do you really want? And I think I was in my path in corporate, I felt like I grew up prudential, if you will, right? Like in a sense, it was my first real job out of college. And I did not realize I was going to stay there for so long. Like I was doing well, so it worked, right? But I think closer to the end, I was feeling like in corporate America, there is a time where your identity is almost like you don't feel authentic because people don't share who they really are in the way that they want to express themselves because the culture is not as such. And I think I was coming into my own a little bit where I felt like I just wanted to be me and at the same time be seen as an authority in what I do. And I think when, um, you'll probably hear this from lots of interviewers, like when you're in one corporate company for so long and people have seen you when you were 22 years old and now you're 36, they sometimes still perceive you as that 22 year old. And so there is a um, element of like, I really wanted to gain a more and more strategic leadership skills. And I love, like, I just, I knew I wanted to support the entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's kind of who I am and it's, it has my why associated to it. So that midlife awakening for me, helped me take that pause, helped me think about what I wanted and make some strategic decisions so that I could start to fulfill my own mission, really. That's great. And yeah, just really cool journey and story because I can see how different things aligned in your path. And then once you knew this is what you wanted to do, what strategic choices did you make really to initiate your brand and kind of let you know other entrepreneurs know that you're there and you're willing to support them in this way? Yeah, it was really interesting because when you leave a corporate environment to become an entrepreneur, there's so many learnings. And part of it is gaining courage to even be able to have your voice to say, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm up to, right? Because not everybody understands I'm going to do like leaving a pretty nice six-figure job, right? To like go do your own thing and, and start over in some capacity, right? 
So I think in the beginning, you know, to build brand, what I have realized is that you need results, really, right? That's what the social proof is what's going to be able to provide you with substance so people believe in who you are and what you do. And what happens is, you know, obviously, as you're starting, you need to figure out how to get that. And so um, when I was still in corporate, I started, like I mentioned, doing a little side hustling. So I had clients that I had previously worked with that were able to provide some of that social proof. And I felt pretty confident in sort of my coaching ability. I didn't have a framework in that capacity. It was more of always sort of that CEO advisor, right? I actually left and I took on two startup positions within health and wellness startups. And then I started Disruptive.CEO. And I learned so much about myself, about, I feel like entrepreneurship is a lot of personal growth, right? And I think one of the things that really helped me start to hone in on my voice and my brand was surrounding myself with other very strong female entrepreneurs through associations and through other networks, masterminding with them, you know, and getting clear even on my own positioning at that time, even though I have evolved since then, right? And I think the more and more I started working with clients, the more and more clear I was on my own brand, but it takes time. And so uh, we'll get into what I, uh, my framework today, but in the beginning, you're kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall in business. You're just trying to figure it out, right? Especially when you're in professional services, because you have a level of expertise. That's why you do what you do. You're only going to get stronger the more you have clients and the more you learn through the process. But a lot of times it becomes very project-based versus scalable because you're, you know, again, you're, you're, you're not working toward, you know, a scale. A lot of times you're just kind of, again, throwing yourself out there. I can do this saying yes to a lot of different things. And I did that myself. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. I can help you here and da, 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 whatever industry, whatever it was. And because I had the various different focuses and strategy and marketing and brand building and otherwise, I was able to be much more holistic. And that was good and bad, right? I learned a lot of lessons, but it didn't initially position me as a very specific specialist in the market. It took time to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Especially because uh, I guess for the listeners of the podcast, uh, one of the reasons I actually got connected with Simo was through um, getting some clarity. <laughs> so I can totally relate to that. And even in my own um, city, yeah, I, f- I found that this year during COVID, joining some of these um, women's entrepreneurs groups has really started to help with that process too. So it's definitely um, affirming to hear that that was a similar process for you as well in your journey. And I guess when you started realizing that, okay, you know, I'm starting my business, I'm doing a lot of things, but these are some of the areas I wanted to focus on. What was that process like? And if you don't mind sharing with the audience, what's a bit of like a sneak peek of the process that you take businesses through when they get to work with you? Thank you for asking. You know, it's very timely of this discussion because a lot of that early stage all those questions that you have, right? It's like, okay, who am I? Who do I serve? How do I move from this being a generalist to a specialist? Like, what do I want to be known for in the marketplace? How do you build that leadership around that, right? And really start to be a known entity so that you can attract your ideal client. 
And I always thought like in the beginning, you know, when people would ask, so, so who are you and what do you do, right? It's always, it was a harder question to answer because again, you're still trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure out what's the best way to position yourself in the market. So other people hear you and are like, yeah, I need you in my life. And you're also trying to value your level of expertise and the price people are willing to pay. There's a lot of questions and learnings, but it's also super exciting, right? Because you're like, man, I'm really good at this, or I'm learning this, or guess what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to do that again. That was a really hard client. So over the years, I've studied, like I said, I have studied a lot of different business models, but specifically in the service-based industry, looking at why businesses fail and why they succeed as we started in the beginning of this podcast. And a lot of times what happens over time is if you don't make strategic decisions after you have learned a lot in your business, you can stay very generic, right? Like I do it all. We're full service. People love that concept of full service agency, right? And if they can't do it, they'll just hire and staff augmentation is a big piece of their business model. But what we consider is there's too many focuses and that has external implication of people don't really know what your expertise is. And there's internal uh, implications that if you do have staff, they get very confused and frustrated too, because all of a sudden you're focused on so many things that it's hard to deliver the quality of work the way that you want to deliver on it, right? The other thing that occurs is that like people make a lot of assumptions on their ideal client instead of doing actual market research and speaking to their customers and speaking to the people that they consider are in their prospect zone, right? Um, They're making assumptions a lot of times because of things that happen to them personally or just what they believe the market wants. So a lot of times their offers are leading with things that not what people want, it's what they need. And I think, you know, you know, somebody in brand, like you have to lead what people want and then give them what they need. Right. And then there's, you know, there's multiple other things there, but what happens over time is your company just becomes, I don't know if you have ever seen the Where's Waldo comic strips, right? So it's a bunch of different people. And then there's some little red dot that's Waldo in there. And, but like what happens for a lot of businesses is they stay in this concept called the sea of sameness. Everybody looks alike. And so I kept seeing like, all right, in the beginning, you know, there is this concept of the business model canvas to help you kind of articulate who you are and what you do and your channels and all that stuff. Later on, I don't know if you're familiar, but a lot of entrepreneurs use this concept of EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system, which focuses heavily on people, processes, and technology. And what I kept saying is, man, where is that middle, that most important step in the middle Because I think, you know, like between 18 and 24 months, eight out of 10 businesses fail. And now I've realized that not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur and that's okay. There's a lot of learning in that, right? But you can step up and keep going, be persistent. But that milestone is at five years, right? Where the ones who do survive, 50% of them at that point succeed and 50% of them fail. Yeah. And what I find is that's my sweet spot when it comes to an accelerator that I run for female CEOs. And I say, that's the moment that you have enough learning behind your belt. We're going to use a methodology that I created called Unique. And I'm going to guide you through really important strategic decisions on what's your unicorn vision. At this point, a lot of service-based providers do not have a clear vision. It just sort of, they become accidental or it's my expertise. It's not like, you know, I always felt, love, feel entrepreneurship is sort of bigger than yourself. And when you realize you're meant to serve more 
it ends up becoming more impact and more profit, right? Mm. So that is a a big thing. When you're clear on your vision, it should inspire you and it should drive your focus going forward, right? And of unique is niche positioning. So what's your niche, right? And that's a really hard thing always to swallow early on in business because you feel lots of entrepreneurs feel like they're closed in a box, right? And that's like hard. But I I tell them, I was like, now I want you to reframe that because if you think about being in business for a while, you know, you have worked with both ideal clients and unideal clients. The goal with niching is looking at your experiences and finding the ideal client that you make the most, you've had the most consistent transformations for. So whatever Mm -hmm. their big struggle is that you have an expertise to solve, you continue to see that the work processes, whatever you're putting in place, it's helping them solve that. And it's mm-hmm. lights you up, right? So I have a very specific way of getting people much more excited about niching and being having the ability to truly make that decision. You know, in brands better than anybody, if you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. And that's what happens. But then you get the clarity in the niche, how you want to be positioned in the market. The I is the special sauce. So basically what I call it is intellectual property. How do you productize your service or create a framework or methodology that is yours and is unique to you and how you are able to transform your client from X to Z because of the experience that you have, um, the market validation that you've had over the years, right? And so unique method, for example, is my methodology, right? That's what makes me different. And I can speak about it all day long because not only do I have experience around it, I have conviction around it. I have market research around it and I have proven results around it. And Mm -hmm. that's what I get people to start to look at. It's like, this is your platform. And when you're in service, when you have a platform like that, it starts to make things much more scalable. Every project or every client being very project focused. And so those three decisions are very critical to the external part of it, which are the last three, which is Q stands for qualifications and thought leadership. U is the United Brand Messaging, bringing your messaging together now that you know who you're talking to and who you serve in your offers. And then E, which is a little different, but I think it's a very important as, as you get clear on your niche and who you serve. I'm a big believer of strategic partnerships. And I do think relationships that are based in like a relational capital. So it's both ways really can make or break a business. It really can, like it can increase your bottom line tremendously with the right partners that you're working together. Yeah, so E stands for enrolling a niche network. So that's, um, that's I have an all-female CEO accelerator that now I take these four to five year-in CEOs and we make, we go through it, you know, for 10 weeks, it's an intensive, but it really transforms their business and brand because it allows them to step back and really think about, wow, like I should make these decisions, but now Seema's giving me frameworks and tools. So I'm not just kind of thinking on my own when they say, hey, go work on your business. What does that even mean, right? This is actually giving you the tools to truly think through these decisions so that you are really prepared to scale and double your income and revenue, right? That's the unique method in a nutshell. That's really interesting because I like how you brought up that if you're before five years, you have a high chance of failure. But if you've actually got in there, that that's actually the opportunity to potentially create something bigger. That's really interesting because I think a lot of people entering business like 
it's hard to even see that far, especially when it's new. And like you said, there's all the challenges and trying to figure out what do you offer? How do I offer it? How do I scale this? So I think that's a huge encouragement for someone who's even like midway, like as a service business too, is there still somewhere I'm going with this? You know, is there still potential to actually make this good? Because I think given probably the way people see coaching and things on Instagram, it's kind of like, if you aren't at a certain place by a certain time, or you aren't doing what you're seeing online, you could often feel like you're failing. And so in light of that, how has your coaching and your offerings even changed during the pandemic? Do you think you were able to support people even more or help them see more business opportunities? Uh, What has kind of changed for you in that methodology and that teaching? Oh, I mean, a lot. So, um, Early on with COVID, I did a lot of pivot strategy with a lot of my clients, right? Because there were some industries that were hit hard, but others that had a real opportunity, if they positioned themselves for that moment to be even stronger and be even more relevant. And there was a lot of that where it was like, okay, look, this is the reality of the world right now. How do we take your service offering and make it something that people want, they really want right now? right? So it was like this matchmaking sort of strategy sessions that we would do. Really, uh, what I would say was, um, in the beginning, it was a lot of service, right? You just want to be you wanted to be there to serve in the pandemic, it was uh, the best thing any brand or business could do. And then over time, as you transition into back into sales, when people were ready, that was what we were working toward was putting an offer together that really made sense for the market at the time. But I got to tell you, Unique came out of COVID, right? Because I had an opportunity for a first time in a long time to step back and say, man, 20 years of experience, Seema, what are the trends that you're seeing? What have you helped your clients with consistently that has given them the breakthroughs to be able to scale? And what are, what are those moments for other companies that this is what they ended up doing? And that's when, you know, I have examples from real estate development companies who were out there just doing regular real estate development and one day finally discovered their niche where there's a company called EYA, for example, and they're focused on bringing city living into suburbia, right? And that took them, when you, if you go back, I love, love, love a website. It's called Wayback Machine. I think it's called waybackmachine.org. And you can see, you know, previous websites from companies for, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. And that is my favorite exercise to do with clients because It takes time to figure out where you play and where you play best. But when you do figure it out and it is market validated and it's your expertise validated, that's where you got to double down, triple down, right? And for me, my unique method allows people to get there faster, right? Because they're not thinking about these things in that way. But as you are, as you start to, then you realize, wow, if I have this platform and I've made those decisions now, like everything is built off of that. It's that much, quote unquote, easier to get your message out, right? And there's no such thing as easier. I'm just saying it, but it's, it's easier to attract your ideal client when you know actually who you're trying to get to, right? So COVID, you know, it changed a lot for my business because it allowed me to build my own platform through my learned experiences. And I launched Unique and it's been tremendous, right? Because people, it's been validated. People are hearing me and wanting to work through the process in their own businesses. So I do it through the accelerator model and then for larger consultancies, so 
businesses. Like I'm, uh, I have a couple of clients in the nonprofit space right now that are, you know, 35 years in is one of them, but over time, they've gotten so many different focuses. They've had a lot of great success in alleviating poverty, but we're getting them very clear on who they are, what they do, what's their core expertise, and how they want to play in the market today. So they're attracting the right uh, agency partners and donors, right? So yeah, it's it was it was game changing both from the ability to help clients pivot, but also putting together my framework so that I can help and amplify the way I coach and the way I create strategy for hundreds of thousands, hopefully going forward. That's amazing. And I guess just a final question. uh, What do you value the most about the position you're in today and having this business and having the role that you have? I value conversations with other female CEOs and having the ability to provide them a breakthrough that will help other people and or other businesses. So I'm a big believer of train the trainer, right? So all the service-based people that I work with are either helping other businesses or helping other people transform in some capacity. So if I have the ability to get them clearer on their transformation and get them clear on who that they want to be attracting and get them clear on how they can attract and get more business out of this, It's not only just impacting one-on-one with that person, I'm multiplying the impact of the work that we're doing together. So Codesta is a great example to nonprofit. We now, they've helped 5 million people in the last 35 years. Working with them, I've helped them kind of see their next mission being to help 10 million people in the next 10 years. And like, if I can be part of a strategic exercise that is getting people motivated to help 10 more million people out of poverty and the most vulnerable rural communities in the world, that's game changing for me, right? That makes me want to do what I do all day long. But then he takes it from that nonprofit to somebody who runs a PR agency. And I get to them, get them to see that you're not just doing benefits work of like, yeah, PR, you know, uh, pitches and this, that, and the other. You're helping businesses and personal brands amplify their message so they can help more people or more businesses, right? And what is it that you can create in terms of packages or your process to make that easier on these individuals that are trying to make a difference and profit, right? It works in, uh, I have a client who's reimagining dentistry, right? And so I don't believe in labels. When you call yourself a dentist, what do you think about, right? You call yourself a marketing consultant, okay? Like it's too broad, right? And so she actually focuses on looking at your mouth as the, it's like the gateway to your body, So they don't just go in and just fix root canals. They do that, right? But the goal is when you go into her office, they're going to look at your mouth, do a DNA test, saliva test. They're going to do all these things to look at like what is actually going on in your mouth that could be impacting your body from autoimmunes to inflammation to so many other things and connecting those dots between the dentist industry and traditional doctors. And so that's her mission. And so we're, 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 looking, we're repositioning her to be known as that integrative dentist practice, right? And so what I value is the camaraderie with other businesses and other CEOs and the ability to help them see that what they're, whatever they're doing, they're doing even more, more than they can imagine. And, and if we get their strategic pieces right, it's going to be even bigger than that. So... That's what I would tell you. 
Wow, that's so profound and definitely one of the most comprehensive answers I've ever gotten to that question because you're really seeing the impact of what you're doing. And I could really see that you have your why and your mission focus and how you serve your clients as well. Thank you so much, Seema, for being on the podcast today and sharing so much value with our audience. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. It's kind of fun, right? You and I met a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> call and like, see, here we are now. And there's been so much progress in your business. So congratulations to you. Thank you so much. <laughs>